Mr. Steve has asked me to read from Luke 12, 32 through 34. It's Luke 12, 32 through 34. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just please be with all of us today as we go home later. And Lord, just please be with Mr. Steve as he's conveying his message. Lord, just please let him, let him speak what you want him to speak, Lord, and let all of us be able to apply his message to our lives, Lord and be able to use it in our daily life throughout the week. Lord, thank you for blessing us continually, and thank you for sending your son Jesus down to die on the cross to save us from our sins. And in your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke 12, 32 through 34. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give, to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old and treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Good morning. Just say, I appreciate being called Mr. Steve. It reminds me of my school counseling days. But anyway, how is everyone today? Looks like we've got a good crowd today. I mean, a number of people. I don't know how good you are. I haven't. Now, most of you are very good. But um, it is good to be here this morning. I am. It's awesome that I get to do this <laughs> every week. It's not lost on me. Um, I appreciate it, and always my uh, prayer is that I bring to you uh, words that God wants us to hear, and um, today, um, Jim has asked me to keep my lesson short, <laughs> it's so cute, it's cute when he says things like that, because um, we're going to have a discussion about some things, and uh, what the sermon today I had uh, called Jim, and I said, by the way, this is a sermon I'm going to be preaching. He's like, yeah, I kind of figured. Because um, we didn't discuss it ahead of time, but one of the things that's true is that the Spirit of God moves in this church. And we should be continually praying, not that we can be a big church or a productive church or even a good church, but we should pray that the Holy Spirit dwells richly in all of us. Because that's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit um, to teach our spirits how to live. And again, in our class on Wednesday night, we've been talking a lot about that. But the thing that we should be aiming for, and if you look through uh, particularly Acts and the rest of the New Testament, is we should be praying that the Holy Spirit may dwell richly in us. And in order for that to happen, we're going to have to get rid of the parts of us that fight against the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of what comes to us today. I make, uh, I don't know, I give you guys too much information. That's one of those things that's difficult as a preacher to figure out. You're not really supposed to tell too much about yourself, but obviously I'm not very good at that. Um, I tell too much about myself. But I make... Uh, no pretense about the fact that I have, throughout my life, struggled with uh, pretty weapons-grade depression, not depression, anxiety. Um, those two go together quite a bit. 
Anxiety is one of those things that, that God has helped me with quite a bit. And one of the, the symptoms of my anxiety was always just trying to build for myself a safe place. You know, I just want to be safe. I don't want, any, I don't want anything to happen to me. I want a fallback plan. You know? I want a fallback plan. If things go south, I want somewhere I can run and hide. And safety, I will tell you, is a lie that the devil is constantly handing out brochures on. Here's safety. Come get safety today. You can be safe. When really the only safety in this world is found in God's house and in God's arms. Not understanding that is a big source of anxiety for people in this world. It's been a big source of anxiety for me. So Jesus is talking about that here in Luke uh, 12. And in verse 22, he starts talking about anxiety. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life or about what you're going to eat or about your body, what you're going to put on your body, because life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Hmm. Yeah, that's all big words. I mean, I'm sure Jesus means well, but I'm not really sure how I get from where I'm at to there. I mean, I realize life is more than these things, but at the same time, I kind of can't stop worrying about those things. I know life is bigger than that, but I'm not sure how to get my mind in the right spot. Well, there's a clue here. Whenever you see the word therefore, this is a saying a preacher say. You guys have heard this. If you see the word therefore, okay, it's a California preacher thing, I guess, because Linda's the only one answering. If you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. So what is it there for? Well, let's backtrack a little bit. He says therefore. So what was he talking about before that? Well, let's go back to verse 13. Someone in This is what prompted Jesus to talk about anxiety and how you should stop being focused on what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and all these things. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I guess Jesus, he sees Jesus as the new righteous judge that's going to uh, set everything right. He's like, here's what's not right. My brother is not sharing. Okay? Um, maybe I can get Jesus to make him divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? I'm not a lawyer. Who appointed me your attorney? That's the Steve version. And he said to them, take care, be careful, be on your guard against covetousness. Covetousness, by the way, is that we don't use that word a lot in English outside of the Bible. Covetousness. Stop being so covetous, my son, or I shall punish thee. Covetousness is when you have something when you want something that somebody else has, and you just can't get your mind off of it. Um, 
Speaking of which, the song my son hates more than any other song, Jesse's Girl from the 80s. I wish I had Jesse's Girl. He hates that song. That's why I'm saying it right now, because I like to irritate my son. But um, covetousness is when you see something somebody else has, and you're just like, man, man, that, that should be mine. I should get, and that's what's happening here. He says, be on guard against covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. They didn't really have bank accounts back then. They had possessions, some of which was currency like silver or gold. Life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Okay. However, I spend 40 hours a week working. So... It seems pretty important that I work, right? I mean, really, my whole life is built around doing the work that I'm supposed to do. Well, while that may be true, we have to rethink why we work, why we get money. We get money so that we can live, continue to live the life God wants us to live. We don't get money so that money can enable the life that we're living. Does that make sense? God dictates the quality of life we have. And some money is needed along the way to do the things that God asks us to do. We don't, the way most people do it, though, is they have a lifestyle that they want to live, and the more money you can get, the better the life you have. Jesus is saying, and it is extremely importantly true, your quality of life doesn't come from the number of dollars you have. It comes from the number of hours with God you have. And that's really hard to believe, especially if you're young. It's really, really hard to believe. But it is true. And you can talk to older people like myself and learn about that. Let's keep reading, though. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. He got bonus one year. And he thought to himself, let's see, what do I do? What do I do? I've got all this extra, but I don't have anywhere to put it. Hmm. What do I do with all this extra? I've got it. I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns. Okay, a little bit of wasted money, but follow me, follow me here. I'm going to tear down those barns, and I'll use some of the money I get from the extra to build bigger barns, which is only a percentage of the extra I got. And then I will put the extra in the new bigger barns. And therefore, even though I wasted some money tearing down the barns, yes, it was a perfectly good barn, but I need bigger barns. I only have so much land. Now I can store all this, and I will be rich. It will be awesome. Doesn't everybody want to be rich? I'm going to be rich. And then I will kick back, and I'll feel... It's going to feel good, man. It's going to feel good. I'll, 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 like, I'll say to myself, dude, 
you have more than you need. Like for years, you don't really have to work. This is your time. You're now living your best life. I'm going to relax, eat, drink, be merry. I'm going to go to exotic places and eat their things and drink their drinks and be merry. And I'll do it all like this. But God said to him, you fool. Your soul is required tonight. All these things that you, these plans you have, these barns you built, whose will they be? If you're dead, who's rich now? Jesus goes on to say, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What is this man's sin? Why is his soul required of him? Well, it could just be that his soul is required of him. I, I don't even know if I was going to talk about this today. I kind of debated it. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you have business with people in the church, sometimes that can be like the worst business you have, sadly. And I know other people who have experienced this. Some people, it's awesome. Other people kind of take advantage of the brother-sister thing. And I don't think there's many... That's a pretty high on the list of bad things you can do is to take advantage of a brother or a sister. But when I was younger, I had scraped together all my money for a car. Anyway, I'll give you the short version. The person that sold it to me was from the church. Things were not as he said. And the car just didn't work anymore. He's like, well, that's what my son-in-law told me. Sorry that the car doesn't work anymore. But I still need you. I'm not giving you any money back. It's just he lied to me. You know, that lie just, I, I thought I was telling you the truth. It's like, wow. <laughs> that guy had a lot of money saved up. A lot of money saved up. And then he retired. And guess what happened about a year and a half after he retired? He was in his 50s. He passed away. And I've thought about that a lot since then. And I pray that I never put money in front of people like that. Because that really hurt me a lot. But I loved the guy. I mean, I, I knew him my whole life. And he was the father of a very good friend of mine. But it really hurt me that night. So the one thing is, you lay up all this treasure, what are you doing it for? So, you, so that the next person who inherits it from you, if maybe that's even the government, may not even be your child, can be can enjoy all your hard work and good fortune. What's the problem here? The problem is not that he was wealthy. The problem was that when God gave him extra, he decided to create a safe space for himself so that he could be selfish and lazy. You know, we read about gluttony being a sin. Well, most poor people are overweight. So I mean, obviously, that's not true in the United States of America anymore. Gluttony is more about when you have extra and somebody else needs it, you're just like, well, I'm sorry, that's tough. <laughs> because 
I am living my best life and I need this money. Even if I'm not living my best life, I've got to have a lot of money stored up. Because if I don't, who knows what might happen? Maybe my house will spontaneously explode. Maybe I'll get some really bad form of cancer and I have to. You never know. You can never be too careful. That thinking is evil because if there's a need and you're not giving to other people simply because you want to build higher and higher walls of financial safety around yourself so you can live more at ease, you're pay- God gives us everything. So in essence, you're getting your ease at the expense of someone else. That's a, this is a difficult sermon to preach. And I'm sure it's a difficult sermon to hear. But that's true. Every bit of comfort that you have, some of it's given to you by God. But when you start going for extra comfort and extra safety, you have to think about the fact that God gave you those things and someone else suffering might benefit from your excess and therefore they're suffering not because you need the money, but because you're afraid. Or worse, that you're lazy. You just want to, you know what? I want to retire early and just sit back and... By the way, I've not known many people for whom retirement was not a, a trauma that they had to deal with. Be careful what you wish for. It was not good for my father either. He was a very hardworking man. All right, let's keep reading so I can get you out of here so we can move on to the next thing. So, back to our original verse. This is the context in which Jesus is saying this. Because of that, you're never going to feel safe. You're never going to be safe if you have billions of dollars in your bank account, you are not going to be safe. And you're not going to be filled with joy. And the more you build up your bank account, the more you try to grab that brass ring, whatever that means, the more trapped by Satan you're going to be. I've lived this. Again, I don't want to make it too much about me, but I mean, sometimes when it's specifically about me, I've got to make it about me. You know, I didn't want to be, uh, I knew, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I knew when I was young that I wanted to be a minister, but then I got scared. I saw all my friends who were ministers having a really hard time. They were not getting paid very much money either. And then the exciting world of information systems came along. You can, you can write programs? You, what, what languages do you know? Oh, you can administer networks? What, how do you know what to do? Oh, here's a job, literally a job handed to me and paid a lot more than what any preacher I know was making. Is it bad to go into software engineering or information systems? No. It was bad for me, though. It was in direct disobedience to what I knew God wanted for me. And why didn't I do it? Because I was scared. Because I wanted money. Money is awesome. When you're 22, nothing is more awesome in the world than money, I don't think. I don't think I've met a 22-year-old who isn't like, money is the greatest thing. 
And I was in my early 20s when they're like, here's a contract. I was like, but it was a trap. Because the more you make, the more you spend. And the more you spend, the more you have to make. Until you end up working a job for way too many hours that you don't really like that much to pay for all the stuff, to pay for the lifestyle that is just not even coming close to making you happy anymore. If anything, it's making you miserable and you don't feel safe. You feel very threatened all the time. You're not in a better place. You'd be better off not getting your lifestyle from the world, but getting your lifestyle from God. I pray not too many more people need to learn that lesson. Some people are meant to make a lot of money in this world. If you're meant to make a lot of money in this world, then God has entrusted with you money that you're supposed to use in the way He wants you to. But not everybody's supposed to do that. And you're not supposed to make money so that you can live your best life and have really cool Instagram photos. Which that seems to be what it is. You know what I mean? All these people, like, I, I've been out with, uh, when I was doing counseling, going on these, you know, things you're supposed to go for training and with all the other counselors. And they're like, eh, I hate this, man. Eh, eh, let's go drink. I'm like, eh. And they're like totally miserable. Okay, okay, let's stand over there. <laughs> We're having such a good time. Okay, that's over with, man. Oh, I guess I should go to bed. That's the way the world lives. Let's continue reading on. Oh, well, let's just read through this. Sorry. We read about that. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They don't show up to a job. They don't sow. They don't harvest. They don't have any place to keep their stuff. They don't have a storehouse or a bonnet, and yet God feeds them, and they're just birds. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by worrying, by getting all up in a lather, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If you can't add a single hour to your life, then why are you worrying about the rest? You're being foolish to your own destruction. Keep reading. Consider the lilies. This is familiar, right? Matthew records this in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this again. Luke's recording recording it, but Jesus said this. uh, People needed to hear it a lot. We need to hear it this morning. Look at the lilies in the field. They're beautiful. They don't toil. They don't spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't this pretty. So if God goes to this much trouble to make the grass look pretty, which is alive today and tomorrow gets burned, how much more will He clothe you? You of little faith. What is it that you don't have faith in? God's love. God's caring for us. And my thing was, well, you know what? I'm not all that good. I'm not sure God would care for me because I'm kind of a jerk sometimes. And you know what? God's love is bigger than the fact that I'm a jerk. God's love is bigger than the fact that you are not perfect too. You're far from perfect, but God's love is bigger than you're stupid. Do not seek, verse 29, 
what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and don't be worried about it. Don't spend your day worrying about all things of this world, because the whole world spends all of their time looking after these things. And do you think God is stupid? No. He knows that you need these things. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need food. He knows you need a place to live. He knows it snows here. So since that's the case, seek God's kingdom. And all these things you'll get too. Is is Steve preaching health and wealth? No, I'm not. I'm saying God will give you what you need. It may not be what you want, but it is what you need. My life, the way I had it planned, as a software engineer, middle management parasite, I guess, middle management parasite, you know, middle managers, I did not envision my life standing here right now, and I am grateful beyond words to be standing here right now. Look over at those two knucklehead children of mine. None of this was in my plans. God didn't let me have what I wanted. Thank you, God. He gave me what I needed, and then so much more. My mistake? I thought I was good at running my life. I was going off of everybody else's playbook. This is what you do. Well, this is what you do. You know this is what you do. Look at all these people. They're all doing it. Why are you not doing it? You're stupid. Stop. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit. Seek God's kingdom. So does that mean you can't have a retirement account? Like I'm not supposed to have, I'm not supposed to, I'm not saying that. We live in a different culture now where kids no longer take care of their parents. It's completely different. My thing is, are you, are you having a conversation with God about what you're saving or not saving? That's the question. Are you saving way more than you need? If so, why? How lavish of a lifestyle do you, do you need? Are there people around you that need more? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know any individuals in here. I don't know what God says to you, but if God puts it on your heart, it's possible that God doesn't want you to save anything. He says it often enough. Sell everything you have. I'm not saying that's true for any individual. But I'm saying it might be true for a lot of individuals. The point is, if you don't know what God wants you to do with your money, then you should be on your knees. We don't understand God's goodness. Then you're going to be trapped by Satan's money. That's basically what it's about. This is what Jesus wraps up with. He says, don't be afraid little flock. That's you and me. Because it's your Father's good pleasure to give you not just little things, but to give you the entire kingdom. He wants to give you good things. So stop worrying. Sell your possessions and give them to the needy. Instead, give yourself a bank account that does not depreciate with a treasure in the heavens That does not fail. Where no one can steal it from you. No government can claim it from you. Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Now again, I don't know what God's plans are for any 
particular person's money. And I'm, I wouldn't begin to try to judge anything like that because I'm not God. My point is, what, when you go through your week, what kind of treasure are you trying to build up? Are you trying to find safety? Are you, did God give you things so that you could put them to good use? Are there people in your life that need help? What would Jesus do with his money? This is difficult. Anytime a preacher talks about money, it starts getting ugly. I realize that. This isn't my most favorite sermon to preach, but the love of the money, love of money is the root of a bunch of kinds of different evil. If you're good with money, if you're speaking to God with money, then you're one of those people that's blessed to be a steward of money. Just don't be trapped by it. Don't hoard it. And stop using it. If your money makes you feel safe, you need to get rid of it. Because the only safety in this world is in God's house. If your money makes you feel safe, then Satan owns you. And I'm not saying, so you're a bad person. You better not let... I'm saying, don't let Satan take you for a ride. Because you have no idea where that ride's going to go. Again, I don't know anybody's personal information. I don't care. (laughs) This isn't aimed at any particular person other than us. I know I was selfish with my money. It's difficult. I'm I'm not one of those people that needs a bunch of money. I'll blow it all in shoes. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm not one of those people that can have a lot of money. It's a trap. And I don't want us to be trapped in it. God not only gives us what we need, but He gives us what we didn't even realize we really, really wanted. So I'm just calling on all of us this morning to be humble enough to say, you know what? I don't want to feel safe. The biggest reason why I didn't want to be a preacher is because all of the people I went to school with that were preachers talked about how hard it was and how they were never sure who was going to go nuts and they would end up getting fired out of the clear blue sky. This happens to preachers a lot. And it makes them... Kind of kooky. I started off kooky, so it's fine. But it's one of those things where, okay, if I end up with no income next week, I either believe God is with me or He isn't. Is God with you or not? At some point, you've got to man up or woman up. You have to person up. (sighs) I know. You know what? I'm just trying. You have, to, you have to say, I trust God. What are you doing that shows you trust God? What are you doing? What are you doing that shows you trust God? Or are you building walls around yourself so that you can be safe, so that you can be comfortable, and so that you can live your best life? 
Don't live your best life the way the world says. Live your best life in the Spirit and in God's kingdom. And He'll give you what you need and what you really, really don't even realize you wanted. Maybe it's two beautiful kids that you never thought were part of the plan. Who knows? Maybe it's a great life being a preacher in LaGrange, Indiana. Never saw this coming, but while it's here, I'm enjoying it to the fullest. I'm blessed to be here. What blessing does God have for you? If you need prayers of the church, if you aren't a Christian, you want to be baptized this morning, come forward now while we stand and while we sing this song.